Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 27, verses 18 to 25, and 42 to 44. We were being pounded by the storm so violently that on the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard, and on the third day with their own hands they threw the ship's tackle overboard. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest raged, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul then stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me, and not have set sail from Crete, and thereby avoided this, do this damage and loss. I urge you now to keep up your courage, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For last night there stood by me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before the emperor. And indeed, God has granted safety to all those who are sailing with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners so that none might swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land, and the rest to follow, some on planks and others on pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought to safely to land. The word of God for the people of God. It is a, a very rich privilege to once again be invited to speak from this pulpit. We have enjoyed immensely being a part of this family of faith. <clears throat> and one of the things that's been so enjoyable is, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> sermons from this pulpit. And the last month or so, our pastoral staff has led us to a new understanding of the early days of the church through the book we call The Acts of the Apostles, but Dr. Blackburn has reminded us might better be called The Acts of Apostolic People. It's not, a, it's not a frozen book, it's a living book. It's not just history, it's not chiseled in stone, it's alive and breathing. And the book of Acts of Apostolic People is a part of our story, and we're a part of the story it tells. And it speaks to us as though it were written yesterday. It is an unfinished story. And the installment that we are thinking about this morning in the 27th chapter is all about the kind of world we live in. It's about stormy weather. Let us bow our heads for a moment of prayer and preparation. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts not only be acceptable, O Lord, but lead us into a deeper relationship with you. 
Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen. You don't know my daughter, Melissa, our daughter. I wish you did. She's a neat lady. She was raised on the plains of West Texas and Eastern New Mexico. And we lived out in those plains and on the prairies for a number of years. Some of her best growing up years were in Odessa, Texas. I don't know if any, does anybody know where Odessa, Texas is? Well, there are five or six of you who've traveled. It is flat. And there is a town just west of Odessa aptly named No Trees. Flat, No Trees. We lived in Odessa during the Friday Night Lights years. The book about high school football, we lived that. We were there. We lived also in the middle of Tornado Alley. Every spring, summer, and into the fall, the sirens would sound and we would take cover. They came with regularity. And so it was that we drilled our two children in what they must do when the storm sirens sound. They knew the drill. When the sirens sound, you go immediately into the house, get into the room we designated a safe room. In our case, it was an interior closet with no windows. And you stay there until the all clear sounds. One afternoon, our eighth grade daughter, Melissa, was home alone after school and the siren sounded. Melissa knew exactly what to do. She marched out of the house, put a ladder up against the roof, climbed up the ladder, stood on the roof for 25 or 30 minutes watching the tornado now on the ground pass within a half mile of the house. She was so excited about that. What an adventure, what an experience. And she let us know when, when we came home that, you know, she had done this and the ladder was still there. We were horrified. And after a few minutes of my finger shaking like this, which she never did tolerate very well, she said, Daddy, if the storm had turned toward me, I would have gone to the safe room. Conversation ended. Melissa, the risk taker, whose work in humanitarian aid has led her to the Peace Corps in Cameroon, to Haiti immediately following the earthquake, to Fukushima just after the tsunami, to several countries in Africa in support of Imagine No Valeria and a dozen other projects. But all you really need to know about Melissa is that she climbed the ladder up onto the roof to watch a tornado pass by, a risk taker. Now, we who live in North Carolina know something about how storms real, uh, reveal the, the nature and character of individuals and of people. We've seen it all, courage, generosity, uh, gratitude, good sense, 
lack of good sense, fear, resiliency, faith, and the list just goes on and on. But we've seen this because in every storm there's a lesson to be learned, something to be understood. Paul is at sea in the middle of a winter storm of what can only be described as biblical proportions. Though a prisoner, he is still seeking to fulfill his dream to preach in the heart of the Roman Empire. He wants to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But hear the words that Dr. Luke wrote. The winds were contrary. Neither sun nor stars appeared. All hope that we should be saved was lost. He was there. That we should be saved was lost. Their skill was exhausted. And the sailors cried no hope. Against the angry sky, jagged fingers of lightning spelled out no hope. Howling winds, ripping sails, uh, snapping, creaking masks echo the fatal chorus, no hope. The storm too big, the ship too small, the distance too far, the bills too great, the relationships too fragile, the choices too meager, the, the, the future too uncertain, the, the world too fearful, the government too ineffective, uh, the love too shredded, the church too divided. It, you know, sounds like our world. Is there no hope? Here is the lesson in the storm. Listen to St. Paul. He says, I believe in God. I believe God. I have faith in God that it will be exactly as God has told me and we're all going to be saved. I believe God. Now, what you and I believe is important. The tenets and dogmas of our faith, the, the systematic theologies that we somehow get wrapped up in, they're, they're important. They help us to focus our thoughts on our, and our understanding on this journey we call life. What we believe is important. I mean, I got to tell you, I believe John Wesley's theology of grace. Prick me and outflows Provenient grace and justifying grace and sanctifying grace and, and an overwhelming belief in the need for social and personal holiness. I mean, I'm so sold out on Wesley's grace that I believe when we all get to heaven that uh, St. Peter's going to shepherd us into a great big room and he's going to say, wait a minute, and in a minute God will appear and God's going to put divine hands on the pulpit, lean across and simply say to us, John Wesley was right, and then God's going to leave. I, and yet, and yet, important as what I believe is, much more crucial is in whom I believe. The heart, the soul, the core of our faith is fundamentally about who occupies the center of our lives. Who's in the middle? Who's in the, who's in the center? Who's in control? Paul knew God is greater than anything we might experience in life. 
God is more loving than any evil we might face. God is more faithful than any circumstance we might experience. I think St. Augustine said it beautifully. God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. If you were the only person on the earth, Christ would have still suffered and died for you. That is the God at the center of Paul's life. He believed in the God who is love personified in the life, the death, the ministry, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is love transcendent in the Holy Spirit, who is love made real and palpable in our lives. I believe God. And then Paul says, I believe God to whom I belong. Yeah. That, that phrase must have sounded very different and odd to the sailors and the soldiers who were idol worshipers, you know. The, they, they carried their gods with them, little figurines. They put them in their sea bags. They wore them around their necks. They, these idols belonged to them. They didn't belong to the little idols. These idols belong to them. And really, idolatry is nothing more than human arrogance, pride, and self-centered in disguise. Who's at the controlling center? From the deck of a sinking ship, Paul proclaimed a fundamental truth about our faith, and that is we do not manipulate God like a marionette on strings. We are God's people, the sheep of God's pasture. We belong to God, not he to us. In this is our hope, in times good or bad, stormy or calm, that which belongs to God, God does not cast away. I believe God to whom I belong. And then Paul's hope is also born of his worship of God. I believe God to whom I belong, whom I worship. In the surrender of ourselves to God in worship, we find ourselves welded to God's strength. But we also discover in moments of celebration and praise that that's just not quite all there is about it. True worship is ultimately acted out in celebration and praise and in the marketplace. It's never just about me or the goosebumps I may get when sitting by the campfire singing Kumbaya. I like that. Nothing wrong with that. But that's not the end of it. Authentic worship is acted out in service to God's people in celebration, in celebration and praise and service. The celebration of God's saving grace goes hand in hand with the discipline of service. Paul bore the scars of service on his body. What happens here today in this place 
where we celebrate and praise God. What happens here today will be finished out on Church Street or Biltmore Avenue or Lumberton or Wilmington or some other setting and venue where we can help build the kingdom of God through the serving of God's children. Folks, God is never, ever really real to us in beautiful photographs and distant spiral nebulae and all the rest, in the beauty of an alpine forget-me-not. Have you ever seen one? You can't think of God on that, but oh my. But it's not real until we discover God in serving one of God's children. Paul found strength in the storm because he believed God, he belonged to God, he worshiped and served God wholly and completely and with abandon. Then note, and note well please, Paul comments on the faithfulness of God. There stood by me this night an angel of the Lord who promised me that we would all be saved. When the night watch is too dark and lonely, God is there. When death or illness wash over us, God is there. When the certainties and verities that we have always depended upon seem to somehow crumble in our hands like so much sand, God is there. When the storm is too great, God is there. Oh, in our pride and in our arrogance, we may disappoint God. We may walk away or try to walk away from God, but God never, ever walks away from us. God never, ever gives up on us. The last word from Dr. Luke in this passage says, and so it was that all were brought safely to land. And the story continues, doesn't it? All hope was lost. But in the acts of the apostolic people, all were saved. Paul went on to preach in Rome. That's in the last chapter. It's a continuing story. It appears that sometimes for us to recognize the love of God for us, all means of human deliverance must be swept away. In the midst of a storm of biblical proportions, the word of hope from the deck of the sinking ship is that you can trust this faithful God whom you believe, to whom you belong, whom you worship and serve. This God will not desert you, not in the crisis you face as a person or in the crisis your family faces or in the crisis your church faces or in the crisis your world faces. 
This God will not leave nor desert you, even in, when in foolish naivete you climb a ladder and watch a tornado pass by. God watches with you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.